Welcome to the 301 Podcast, the interview podcast for the hottest up-and-coming entrepreneurs, artists, and creators. Real, authentic, and inspiring. And here is your host, Marcus Engel. Let's get it started in 301. Today we are here with the mindset strategist, content creator, and NLP practitioner, Izzy Miller. Izzy's mission is to help as many people as possible to connect with their authentic self. I'm beyond excited to have you on the pod, Izzy, and very much looking forward to talk with you about mindset, authenticity, and confidence. Likewise, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me. Of course. Before I dive into it, uh, I think we have an exciting episode ahead. I would like to give you the chance to introduce yourself for a quick introduction, who you are and what you do. Sure. So as you said, I'm a self-proclaimed mindset strategist. It's the best way I could feel or think up to describe what I do, which is pretty much um, going around the country and hopefully international soon, um, delivering talks and workshops around essentially positive psychology, how people can feel their best more of the time, which is something a lot of us are quite far away from. And that trickles into coaching and a book that I'm working on and a whole bunch of different areas. Um, But that's it in a nutshell. Thank you for your introduction. One thing that I found in my preparations is one quote that really intrigued me. And that was uh, a quote that you said, and it's like, uh, there's no one that you cannot be yourself in front of. What does that uh, sentence mean to you? A lot. That means a lot. I, I've always been enthusiastic. So to some that might seem like confidence, be perceived as confidence, but actually I haven't really always had a lot of confidence. And so it was about a year and January, was it January, 2021? I think it was when I had this realization that I could actually be myself. Um, and I think a lot of us, we openly accept what other people do, but we always, sometimes, obviously, sometimes it really consumes our minds. Sometimes it's just a thought at the back of our mind about what will people think if I do this or, oh no, I, I couldn't possibly do that because they might judge me for it. It might not be what they want or expect. It might put them out of their way. But actually, most of the time, if we were just ourselves, we wouldn't be hurting anybody. And when I realized that, I realized actually there is nobody that we can't be ourselves in front of. We we're not going to most we're not going to hurt other people by being ourselves but we feel some for some reason like we will and that's just not true and when you can realize that you start being yourself and when you start being yourself you allow other people to be themselves as well um and it sort of opens up a whole load of possibilities that you were previously holding yourself back from because of those limiting beliefs that say you can't be who you are because you're inadequate you're not enough you'll embarrass yourself and so many other thoughts that I'm sure everyone <laughs> listening right now can can think of. Mm. I, I, did you learn now how to to cope with that? Like the, the kind of like embarrassment and like the the like. Uh, do you have the feeling that you are your true authentic self right now? I would say I'm the closest I've ever been to being my authentic self, and it took me dancing in the snow. That was that was the moment for me. It snowed in London, which is crazy, January 2021. And I realized that this small thing that I wanted to do, I wanted to just open up my arms and spin around in circles and like, I guess, dance in the snow in my local park. And something was holding me back. 
saying, oh, but if you do that, people will think it's really weird. And if you've ever been to London or a big city, there's people do all kinds of really strange things. And it will be very difficult to be the strangest person in the city <laughs> um, because there's a whole, whole load of different kinds of people. And I was like, if I put my arms out wide and just like, you know, spin around in circles, it's not harming anybody. I'm gonna feel really like a sense of freedom doing that, that I'm just a sense of expression and just doing what I feel I want to do. I'm not gonna hurt anybody. In fact, I'll probably put a smile on someone's face. Some kids will probably join in. Nothing's, Nothing's gonna go wrong. And it was in that moment where I just thought, I'm just gonna do it. And I actually filmed it so I could have proof of it. I just, I filmed it. And I, after that moment, I thought, you know what? Why am I, again, holding myself back from things that aren't going to harm anybody else. And so since then, I've reminded myself of that moment every time when I feel like I'm holding myself back or afraid or thinking that I need to change who I am. Um, and to be honest, the relationships I had, they just grew stronger. People respected me more. Um, in quite a number of, of scenarios, I had so many more opportunities available to me because I was putting myself out there and people could tell that I was being myself. I think it's so subtle, the difference between trying to be somebody else and be actually being yourself, but people can tell the difference and it will change how they respond to you. So it was definitely a, that moment was what enabled me to think actually I could be self-employed. I could create something of my own. Um, so I, yeah, I owe where I am today because of that moment that helped me to see that. So definitely, yeah. And it's the practice that actually, it's not just a moment that changes everything. I think we're led to believe that one tool, one hack, one product is going to change our life, but it's not. It might be that that's the sort of the stimulus that creates you, that allows you and encourages you to carry on doing it, but it's the carrying on doing it that creates the habit, creates a behavior and creates your personality. So consistent repetition is, is really important. It's also amazing that you can kind of pinpoint the, this development to like this one specific moment and that you even have a recording makes it, I think, even even better. I think but a lot of people have that, right? Like the, the kind of like those moments that you have in your in your uh, camera roll that you kind of sometimes come back to to say like, well, look how it was was there and uh, how, how well I'm doing now. If you look back now, I mean, uh, in the preparation, I, I looked back um, in, in the past, yeah, maybe two, three years of, of your life. And I find it really crazy. I mean, you grew on TikTok to, to, a, yeah, to a TikTok influencer. Uh, you started your own business. You're helping other people. Um, are you sometimes surprised about the fact that, um, yeah, you give now keynotes, uh, coaching talks, uh, speaking events about mindset from where you started one and a half years ago? Yeah. Um I mean, especially with TikTok, you have no idea what a video, what, what's going to happen with a video. I honestly, the ones that have done really well, I always, I never, I almost didn't post them because I didn't think they were very good. So you never really know what's going to stick, but it all came from a place of me wanting to share things that had helped me and just finding the right platform for that. With Instagram, I felt that I was just sort of sharing my thoughts to people who already knew me and probably were only following me because they knew me and not really because they wanted to get my unsolicited advice or thoughts. So TikTok um, 
And I, I owe it all to my sister because she's 14 and she really wanted me to get onto TikTok. I thought it was just dancing, but that's a limiting belief in itself. I finally got on there. My first video was a cat video just because I wanted to see how it, the platform worked. But I realized it went out to complete strangers and it meant I could share whatever I wanted. And I, the comments that I got, I really need to hear this today. Things like little comments like that were like, hang on a minute, what's helped me can actually help somebody else. So it just sort of grew from there. People asked for coaching. So I started sort of coaching business. People asked if I could come in and speak. So I start, I, I now prim- primarily do speaking um, engagements and podcasts and things like that. So it's every time I try and be strategic or try and think, I want to get there. How can I get there? I find myself going a step backwards. It's when I just follow my feet and just act on an impulse, essentially. Um, Some maybe not, but inspired action, I think, is the most important to act on. When you do that, you end up and you don't have those confidence issues. You just take the action that feels most, um, most like the next step. And that's what I've kind of just done. And I have an idea of where I want it to go, but ultimately you know, it's all a journey and you've just got to focus on where you are now. Mm, that's true. Can you still kind of like, um, pinpoint back, like when it started for you, this, this fascination for, for human psychology? So there was a moment when I, I call it my sort of rock bottom moment, but actually when I've looked back at notes that I've written or journals, if you could call it that from when I was like eight, uh, or, <sighs> 14, there's little bits where I can see a fascination in into psychology and how the brain works. And that sort of stemmed from growing up in a quite a challenging household where people's reactions were slightly, um, I never knew how people were going to react. And it, it led to this subconscious fascination with how people will respond to different things and, um, and how to approach people, how to communicate with people. But the real moment as you as you're trying to pinpoint was after university, I was in a relationship and we were meant to be moving in together. Uh, it was all set in stone. Um, we'd got the flat and um, we were meant to be moving in together in a week's time. Uh, we came back from an anniversary trip away and I discovered that he'd been doing some things that you shouldn't typically do in a relationship that are kind of questionable. And that was, that was obviously a really difficult moment. Um, we, we did move in for a couple of months to see if, if we could, we could move past those things, but they kept on happening. And I was so emotional that I lost my job, the new job that I just got, I couldn't afford the flat anymore. So I had to move back in with my parents. The relationship obviously didn't continue. I became not very nice person. I was, saw myself as a massive victim of the circumstance that, you know, if you write all that down on paper, you've lost your job, you've lost a relationship. You've, um, I also lost a huge amount of weight that ended up leading to some, um, not great health issues. If you, um, not being very nice to my friends, my family. So if you write all those things down, society says that you've, you know, you're a victim. And I believed that. And it led me to about a year of massive grief of, um, really not liking myself, losing all my authenticity, all my confidence, having a terrible mindset. And it was only sort of when I realized 
I heard a Vex King quote. It wasn't uh, just a moment, you know, a, a light from the heavens that was like, this is your turn, turning point. It wasn't like that. But if I can remember anything that I heard that stuck out to me and sort of started me on that journey to change my mindset was um, when I heard Vex King say that nothing, something along the lines of nothing is good or bad until we label it as so. And I realized that I was labeling all of these things as negative when actually they were just neutral. There were things that happened and I could decide whether they were good or bad. And I'd been ruining my life after that point because I'd been convincing myself that I was a victim and I deserved better when actually I could tell myself that this was a new chapter. And actually, oh, isn't it great that I'd realized I found this thing out about my partner, my previous partner, at the point I did rather than it going on even longer. So I realized it's all about the way that we see things. And I practiced that and practiced that. And then I ended up sharing it. But obviously that was a a journey in itself. But that I'd say was, you know, that, that, and I think most people start from a, a rock bottom moment when they realize something. And that was it for me. Um, I didn't know who I was. Um, and I felt like I'd lost everything. No, really heartbreaking to to hear as well to have like such a such a moment that in the end maybe leads to a to a beautiful destination, but like at the at the time it didn't <laughs> didn't feel that way for sure. But like, do you then believe like also in 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 destiny and like in that sense that kind of you come from a from a family with like um yeah maybe like a little bit un un unstable uh, background, uh, being already interested in in psychology and then kind of like loop it back and uh, end up again there. Like, do, do you think that it's, it's kind of like meant to be to for, for you to to be be in that journey? It is interesting, isn't it? You, I guess, you never know whether someone's born with a natural interest and capacity to do something or whether the way that they're brought up makes them have a natural interest in something. But I think you can put three kids through the same same childhood and they'll end up with completely different takes on the situ situation and interests. So perhaps, perhaps I was born to be obsessed with, with the mind. Um, and it definitely feels when I think about it now, like this is my interest. This is what I, I, yeah, whether it goes down a neuroscience route or just sort of the psychology side of things, this is what I'm interested in. I'm obsessed with how it works and how our understanding of the brain can change our success and how we feel about ourselves. It's interesting because uh, was it not maybe intriguing for you also like uh, when you chose to to go to university to study maybe psychology? Like why did you decide to, I think you studied English language, right? Yeah, I studied English. I mean, I had no idea. I think when you're at 16 to 18, unless you know exactly what you want to do, you just don't. And I hadn't, they hadn't offered psychology at my school. Um, it was only an option at sixth form. And I felt a bit unprepared going in to study something that I didn't know a huge amount about. Also, A-levels were really tricky. I was doing history, which is also a really tough sub. Like, there's a lot to learn with history. So I felt it would probably be too much to go into something else new. Um, and I just thought, you know what, I just need to get a degree. A degree is a degree at the end of the day and English, I was naturally quite good at. So, um, that's, that's what I chose. That was, you know, what led me, led me to that, but it's been on my mind to do a master's or potentially a PhD in the future. That would be amazing in either neuroscience or psychology. Yeah. Do, do you like to be control in control of your life? Like, is that something that you, that you figured out in the past years, like this kind of 
need to control everything that is happening? I don't think so. Um, I used to be really stuck in the past. Like I really, I used to really regret stuff and get really worked up over a moment where I embarrassed myself or said something silly, like literally it could have been years ago. And I, every time I thought about it, I'd feel the same anxiety and regret in the moment. Um, and then, and then I sort of fast forward and, and was obsessed with the future. I was like, no, looking at the past, no point in that it's gone. So I was you know, obsessed with the future and where I want to get to, but then I realized I wasn't being present. So now I've learned to just be present. And actually, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing next week. I don't know what I'm doing next year. And that I, I that's okay. Um, mm. So I wouldn't say, I guess I like being in control of what I do. Um, so in, in, in some sense, but I also, like allowing things. Um, I guess maybe them being a mindset strategist, I like being in control of my emotions. We can put, we can, we can, de- I can definitely admit to that. Um, and learning to just sit with negative emotions or, um, when I don't understand how I'm feeling, that's been a learning process. Um, but I, th- I think it depends on the type of groups that you're in. I don't, I think some people are, are quick to say whether they're a dominant person or not a dominant person, but actually it depends with, well, who else is in the room? Because in some situations I will sit back and let the other person take charge. And in other scenarios, um, it will feel more natural for me to take that, that stance of taking control. So yeah, I'd say it, it's an ebb and flow really. Mm. Okay. Imagine. In the, in that period where, where I think probably up until now you felt the, the biggest hardship in your life, um, did it feel for you that it was kind of um, like justified that you um, behaved this way, like also in, in regards to your friends or like any, like, did you feel that it was like, I can behave this way because I, I have a hard time? Mm, yes, there was a definite sense of I'm allowed to feel like this because I'm a victim and everyone should feel, people should feel sorry for me. A hundred percent. And I'll hold my hands up to that. But I and, I and anyone who does feel like that, I think they are allowed to feel like that. But the point at which the, the, the answer changes is when you think, well, how do you actually want to feel? Because it can feel comforting to feel like you can blame other things and feel like a victim. It, it feels nice to feel like other people feel sorry for you, but that's not empowering. And once you know what it feels like to really feel empowered, you don't want to go back to that victim headspace. Um, mm. because it's, it's comfortable. It feels a little bit nice, but it, you stay stuck in that. Um, you stay stagnant as opposed to realizing actually I control how I feel. So I think anyone feeling like they're grieving or they're sad or they feel entitled to something, it makes sense. It, it does. It does make sense where you feel like that, but there is a better feeling out there that if you can just allow yourself to feel, then you'll be in control of your life as opposed to feeling kind of okay that you're out of control of it mm. and do you then remember still like kind of this rock because you 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 said like yeah my rock bottom moment was like after this the period that that um, yeah we broke up and i lost my job and i lost everything that i basically had at this point but was there then like a specific moment like was it that that quote by by i think it was like a vex king was it this this mm-hmm. quote moment or was there another moment that you said like well from now on i have to make like start to to be better and and do better well again i don't think there is a specific moment i think i really i didn't know how to process the emotions 
that was going on. I had no idea. I hadn't learned how to process grief and it was serious. I felt, it felt like the person had died. Something had died. It was like this massive disconnection. I had no idea. I, I normally stress eat and I, I didn't eat, uh, for, for quite a while. Um, not out of choice. I just felt full up with this sickening sort of grief inside. And so when I'd gone home, um, and stayed with my mum for a little bit until I could find a new job, I pushed her away. And I, and as I said, I wasn't very nice. And when I got the job, I sort of left home and went there. And again, I wasn't healthy or happy. I took my emotions out in the gym about two hours every day, six days a week, which again, led to not great health conditions. And it was only when the pandemic hit and I had to leave London and move back in with my family, that I actually had time to stop and grieve and let people in. And just processing everything that I'd kind of been pushing away for the last sort of six, eight months that led me to almost have the mental space to think that actually there might be another way of seeing things. And then I was open to receiving that quote when I heard it. And then I sort of had the, you know, the slow pace of the pandemic helped me, you know, climb back up. So Mm. You know, you can hear, you can hear as many quotes as you want, but when you're, if you're in a place where you're sort of cut off from receiving any help and you are determined that you're a victim, it's very difficult to let them impact you. Um, So once you can sort of see that there might be another point, point of view, that's when that quote really helped. For sure. And I think, as you said, like, I think sometimes it also really depends if you, if you can be open to, to advice and to, to quotes, right? Like sometimes you're seeking it and sometimes you're just like finding it like randomly as well. So that can also uh, happen, but I think it, it always like starts with yourself. And in the, in the period, like when you uh, said like, okay, I have to uh, get better now. We have to, uh, I have to work on myself. What were like the first steps that you took? Was it uh, like to search for professional help or was it like more like a self-study project in the during the pandemic so i i'm definitely not against professional help i've had i had a lot of counseling when i was um a child because of the family situation that i found myself in um and i also experienced depression and panic attacks so i got some counseling for that um but i that that's yeah that's not the route that i went down with what I was experiencing. Um, I think maybe I tried and there was a waiting list that was so long that I couldn't get onto it anyway. Um, but I, I guess it started with really becoming conscious of every situation and asking myself, my natural response to this, I can feel in my body and I can hear the thoughts is that this is bad. I'm a victim of this situation. And I had to think, actually, that's not entirely true. I get to choose. So it started by becoming conscious of every situation where I was doing that. And actually sort of get journaling was, was a big thing, getting a piece of paper and writing down the situation as it was, and then actually maybe a different point of view or, and, and realizing that actually people don't do things to make you upset. They, they might not realize what they're doing. And then if you sort of get upset by that, then that's, that's your reaction because someone else will react totally fine. So it's, do you want to be the person who gets upset and angry or do you want to be the person who goes about things in a more controlled way? And I realized that's what I want to do. Um, so it really was a mixture of journaling and in the moment thinking, changing my language as well from uh, this is such a problem, I can't do this, this is impossible to this is a challenge. 
And when something's Mm. a challenge, it's something that you can overcome. It's like a little hill that you can climb and get over the other side. It might not be easy or straightforward, but it's something you can do. But when you say this is a problem, it's like, this is a hurdle that's in my way. And this is a bad thing as opposed to an opportunity. So it really comes in. It's not one big thing. It's small everyday things reflecting in the moment, um, even like pausing as soon as you said something, hang on a minute, didn't mean to say that. I meant that let's reframe it as this. Um, and when you do that, it's difficult to start with, but the more you do it as with any habit, it gets easier and easier. And then it becomes an autopilot and you realize that you haven't reacted to anything in a negative way for such a long time. In fact, you laugh or you're, you think immediately of all the great reasons, great outcomes about this thing. So yeah, that was my process. (laughs) Um, like what i'm trying to get at like what i still don't really understand is like um you didn't study psychology like you mm-hmm. you're just interested in psychology like where does all this knowledge come from because like if you look at your tiktoks your podcasts, like everything that you put out it's so practical it's um also then in the end like scientific but to a way that like people understand it is that like all done by like i don't know opening some some books or like how how did you obtain all the that knowledge like what was the process from obtaining that knowledge and then like also feeling the readiness to to yeah, open mm-hmm. tiktok and, and also share it great question um I mean, if, if, to start with i've always been adamant i don't there's some people on tiktok and i won't say their names that are doing very very well but they just talk about issues they talk about this is how you know if you've got anxiety and I, I I don't have time for that. My what I want to do is give people a strategy that will help them get to where they want to want to get to. So if you're feeling like this, sort of do this consistently and X, Y, and Z, it, it will it will help. Um so yes, a lot of my techniques have come from podcasts, listening to other people talk. And you know, you, you can listen to a, an hour's po- an two-hour podcast. And if one thing just sticks in my mind, then I might tell someone else. And then I'll, the more times I repeat that, I'll remember it. Um, metaphors are also great. I might hear a metaphor for something that sticks in my mind. Um, I do read quite, quite a lot of books, YouTube videos. Um, I said, I'm getting more into the neuroscience side of things. So doing a lot of research on that is definitely helpful. And I'm not a naturally sciencey person. So I don't like, and I can't really understand really sciencey stuff. So I know that I wouldn't want to be told something that I don't really understand about the brain and just left it, like leave it there. I want to know how the, one part of how the brain works, be able to explain it to someone really simply, maybe using a metaphor and then a way in which you can use that to become, to, to improve, to feel better more of the time. So that I guess became the premise of TikTok. Um, and again, I, I was just tired of my sister badgering me to get TikTok. So that was the reason why I opened it. I, why I got it again, maybe intuition, um, and, and just, yeah, started sharing on there. But in terms of the knowledge, I have done a neuro-linguistic programming course, otherwise it's books, listening to other people, um, but actually, I will say, sorry, um, the main place where I get content for my TikToks is by if I feel upset in a situation or I feel negative emotion about something, I might think, okay, how could I explain how to help yourself through this to somebody else? And then I'll literally, this is how 
help myself get content to start with was just pick up the phone and explain sort of if you're going through this think about it like this and so a lot of them just come from me thinking how can I see this as a good thing or how can I change my mindset about this and it just comes out um in that content so yeah as I say a whole mixture of things but that's a big one as well it's like a self self-study for for actually it's for yourself so it's <laughs> you're just yeah. filming it but when did, did you realize also like okay you you start uploading some some videos on tiktok like when did you realize that there are a lot more people out there that uh, kind of crave this this content or maybe have the same same kind of uh, set of problems probably quite soon really um as soon as people start saying i really need to hear this was very different to, as I say, Instagram is very difficult to hear what people people think that's outside of your friendship group or just people that followed you for a while. So, you know, every single person that said, I really needed to hear this is like, oh, like almost a sigh of relief. It's, it's not just me. It, you know, a lot of people are experiencing this too. And what I've said has actually helped. Um, and obviously those have increased in number as the reach of the videos has gone out to more people. But it'll, if one person says like, I, um, I really needed to hear this, then it, it means that a lot of other people do too. So it's not that I realized it at X amount of followers. It was almost from as soon as somebody I didn't know saw my video and said that. Yeah. Because I find it insane. Um, how far, like how much of like value you provide for the, for the target group or for your audience, basically, because if you look like from a marketing standpoint on, on your TikTok account, like I bet there would be so many TikTok specialists that would say, oh, you have to use the three second hook on. No, you you know, like you have to use those flashy colors and you're, you should download CapCut and you should, you know, like all those kind of things that, that kind of like to kind of even grow even faster and more. But anyhow, you did it. So I find it really, really impressive actually like that you have this growth on the, the platform that you had because that means that the people actually follow for the content and not for any flashy uh, subtitles or like uh, whatever three second hook that that you that you gave it's quite that, funny really someone cool. someone contacted me this morning about asking if i wanted to be a get paid to work with clients to teach them how to be effective on on tiktok <laughs> and i'm my partner's also on tiktok and we both look at each other and like there isn't the algorithm is changing all the time you look at someone with a million followers and their you know their current videos are probably on 4k 2k views which is pretty low um and as i say the videos i thought would do terribly ended up hitting millions of views which is crazy so all i can and those views are ones where i've just got sort of out the shower my hair's all wet i've just chucked on a, a baggy t-shirt and just pick up the phone and think oh I'll just record I'll just say this thought that's on my mind. So if anybody's listening that has thought, as thinks that they have something they want to share, you don't have to script it. If you script it, people will know that you're, I, I can't script them. I can probably film something a maximum of two times before if it's three times, I don't feel I'm being authentic. So you can prevent yourself from doing things from the limiting belief saying that you're not prepared. You don't have the camera equipment. You don't have X, Y, and Z you don't need it. You don't need it. Um, say what you say, whatever comes to mind and it might end up being exactly what someone needs to hear. So. Exactly. Do you feel like an influencer? <laughs> no. no, I, I think we all influence people, don't we? We all influence people in, in different ways. And I guess mine is through the words that I say. Um, 
And what's the the picture that comes to mind, at least for me, and I think for a lot of people when you say influencer, is a fitness influencer holding a coffee um, in gym gear, uh, having, you know, on a professional photo shoot. So if that kind of influencer, absolutely not um, in terms of influencing people's mindsets. I damn hope so, because that's exactly what my content's for, to help people realize that there's another way of thinking. So yeah, I'd love to say that I'm a, I'm a mindset influencer. A mindset but, um, influencer. It's going to yeah. be a new term. You have to trademark <laughs> it. But... I'll be the only one. No. <laughs> Besides uh, being super successful on TikTok, you also started your own business uh, last year in July. Um, was that a, a big step for you or, or did it feel very natural to like a logical step to do? It was definitely intuitive. I knew that I... I'd said in the January of that year that by June, I want to either be promoted in my job, um, be in a better job or be self-employed. And the job that I'd always wanted came up as a, you know, that there was a space and I was really excited. And I, there was probably a two week period where you could apply. And for some reason I couldn't get my, I was, I, I couldn't get myself to apply for it. And I thought, why, why am I leaving this to the last minute when it's been what I've been wanting for the last five years? And I realized I, I didn't want to be a manager. Um, that's not what I liked. I knew that, you know, psychology, positive psychology, sharing how people can feel better more of the time is what I wanted to be doing. So I started, um, delivering wellbeing workshops for the staff at my, the place I was working, which were probably awful. They probably were really, really bad. And I remember the first one I did, I was shaking. I did it to my mum and my sister a couple of days before. I had post-it notes all over the wall. I, yeah, it, bless, bless the, the soul of Izzy who did that. Um, you know, it starts with that step where you're so nervous to even deliver something in front of the people that you, you work with every single day. Um, but I knew that by June, um, I was, I either wanted to, I think the goal was to try and get into a job as a trainer. So whether it was for a, hopefully sort of some kind of mental health organization, um, that I could go around to schools doing little training sessions, um, because that would prepare me and help me get used to presenting in front of people, giving more experience. And I, I ended up getting a, a little version of those jobs, a freelance version of, of that kind of job, which was great experience, but that sort of happened after I'd become self-employed. So I did just up and quit, um, with no sort of plans in place. I did a lot of bar work for festivals. And as I quit in June, I knew that those were coming up in case I needed a bit of an income. But at the end of the day, there are always job, sort of crappy jobs available. You know, there's always a Tesco's nearby, not that's a crappy job, that, you know, some people, that's an amazing job because you get to talk to people all day and it's, you get in a flow state. I mean, I, I love bar work. That's also not a crappy job, um, whatever you feel you love, but there are sort of quite easy jobs to get into. So I knew that whatever happened, I'll, I'll make it work. So it was scary, but also at the same time, it felt like the most exciting and most me thing that I'd ever done. And um, I think when you can say that this is definitely a a me thing. Um, this feels like the right thing for me, that it's definitely the right, the right step to take. What was the, the first success that you had in the starting as uh, starting your own company? Um, that really felt like a big, a big success for yourself. Probably my first coaching client. Um, I've been doing, I've been coaching 
somebody for free just working with them and I realized oh hang on a minute this is this is coaching um and someone reached out on Instagram and said that they'd seen me through TikTok do I do one-to-one coaching and I said yeah yeah I do even though I didn't set up online had an intro call with them and I genuinely thought they're not going to go for it I had sort of my prices that was you know pretty standard for a coach and I was optimistic, but I, I didn't think the first intro call I had, I'd get it, my first client. And they ended up paying, like, I ended up working probably like six sessions with them. Um, and so I think when they first said, after the first session that we had together, yeah, I'd like five more, that was the first success. And I was like, what? I'm actually helping somebody. They've actually sat through an hour with me and thought, this girl can help and want to work with me. So, yeah. Definitely that sort of my first paycheck off my own back was definitely mm. the, the moment for me. Yeah. That's so satisfying, right? Like when you when you create the value for yourself, right? Like it's not dependent on anything else, just uh, about you. Yeah, I had no idea how to do an invoice. I, I <laughs> there was so much I didn't know, um, so I just figured, how, you know, how, how can I, how can I end up doing this? And it it worked. So that's amazing. And if you talk about your your coaching, but I think we can probably also apply it to like your speaking and to all the other parts. Like, what what are your your principles like that you always try to to get into the people's mind? I always pin it down to these three things: authenticity, confidence, and mindset. Um, I think that those are the sort of three key pillars that I and I realized it was those three when I looked back on my journey from where I hit rock bottom and how I'd become, how I'd got to this point where I felt amazing and I'd got my confidence and, and all that back. And I realized it with authenticity, confidence and mindset, because if you're confident, but you don't really know who you are, you don't like yourself, then you're kind of being confidently fake. If you're authentic, but you don't have any confidence, then outside of the people you feel comfortable with, you're not going to be yourself because you don't have the confidence to do, you know, say yes to what you actually want or no to what you don't. But if you've got confidence um, and you're authentic, you like yourself, you know who you are and you're happy to be yourself in front of anybody, but you don't have mindset, then as soon as something challenging happens, you'll you know, like a breakup, for instance, let's use that as the example, then you feel, you know, oh, who am I? This person didn't like me. You lose your, you think it's a bad thing. You see yourself as a victim and you lose the authenticity and the confidence. So it really takes all three of those things. And generally you can tell which a person is lacking when you're sort of in a call with them. And then it's about, um, without, without making it so obvious that you're working on those things that generally seems to be what I want those people to walk away with all three of those things mm. and if if we assume that um, anyone who is maybe like in a in a victim role right now um, having some hardship uh, what would you advise them to to do to take the first step to get out of that I would say think to yourself take some like an hour to just sit down, you might want to have some paper and just think about a previous experience that you've had before what you're going through now and think about how horrific or how bad that thing felt at the time and then actually why it ended up being a good thing or what you ended up learning from it, how you became stronger, how you helped other people from it. And then you can apply that same principle to what you're going through now, even though you can't see why something's happened, even though something feels so challenging, even though the negative, the emotion feels so strong, 
if you can sort of, we call it a, a hindsight window, usually three years after something's happened, we can look back and laugh or we can look back and be like, oh, I realized why that happened or I'm so glad that happened because it made me who I am today. I wouldn't change it. We can actually shorten that window to right now in the moment when it's happening. If you just, whether you're religious or not, it doesn't matter. Simply having the faith that I, not just that maybe this is a good thing, but actually I can see this as a good thing. It is possible to see anything as a good thing. Um, you know, obviously one of the biggest things people bring to me is, well, how can you see death as a good thing? How can you see grief as a good thing? Well, the more you grieve, the more you're sad about the loss of somebody, the more they meant to you. And that's such a blessing. You know, if you weren't upset or weren't grieving that they were no longer here, it means that they weren't, they didn't really mean anything to you. And you didn't have someone important in your life. But if they if they have passed or are ill and you're sad about that, you had someone amazing in your life or you know, you still do. And we can either look at the loss and feel like we're lacking, or we can feel so grateful for the opportunity to have known them and all the amazing memories we have. And actually, if we could meet that person, we can meet someone else equally as amazing. If we can have that job that we just lost, we can have a job even more amazing. So it's really, you know, thinking, okay, I can be a victim, but what possibly could I see as a different alternative? Because if you've done it in the past, you know, it's possible, even though right Mm -hmm. now it feels so bad and like, is the worst thing. There is always a different perspective. You just got to allow yourself to feel like there is that different perspective. Um, so I really hope that, you know, the right, somebody who is feeling that hears this right now and realizes that just have some time to yourself and sit down and consider possibly imagine it is possible to see it as a good thing. Where would you start with that? That's amazing. Amazing advice. <laughs> Thank you. And just, you know, the brain, once you tell the brain something, it believes it and will find reasons to back it up. So uh, an exercise I do with kids in schools or anyone really, it's a great one. You just say, do you think it'd be possible to eliminate jails and prisons in 30 years time? And they'll be like, no, of course not. What? That's a shocking idea. Why would you say that? But if you say, well, just imagine for a sec that it is possible, where would you start with that? Where would you, what would be the first plan in your action plan um and they'll come up with something and that's just it once you allow yourself to see something as a good thing or see something as possible your brain will due to the art reticular activating system which we don't have to get into will literally see ways to make it happen or evidence to back it up so if, again if you can just allow yourself to see it from a different point of view or believe that it could be different you'll see more of that and then your beliefs will completely change simple as that right <laughs> <laughs> any excuse for a bit of neuroscience yeah as simple as that it is it is it's simple but not easy <laughs> that's yeah. what i say uh, you also just uh, scratched on it a little bit that uh, you try to teach uh, children and this is i think what you're doing um quite recently a lot uh, speaking in, in in schools and um yeah i think also help younger students to work on their on their true authentic self do you think that the the this kind of mindset is um, for the for those students nowadays is more important than for students like 10 or 15 years ago based on kind of influences such as i don't know social media phones those kind of things 
I think so, definitely. Not because things have got worse, because we'll be forever thinking that things have got worse, right? But I think because we can see more negative news, um, you know, the news is available on the radio, it's available on news- newspapers that probably most people don't read. You know, you can see it on the TV. If you don't see it on the TV, it's all over social media. So, and that's all to do with your algorithm, you know, who are you following and what are you allowing in or who are you hanging around with? Because even word of mouth is so powerful. Definitely, I think, and and with that bad news, for instance, or or um, just negative stuff on social media, also comes the the constant repetition of you know depression is on the rise, anxiety is on the rise, X amount of kids feel this, and kids are seeing that, and you know led to believe that you know again the whole victim mindset. Some things are you're meant to cry, sit on the sofa, eat ice cream, and cry, and you know. It, there's a lot of negativity out there and encouragement to feel negative. And obviously mm. you see more of that with uh, more, more social media and, and stimulation. So definitely. find it amazing that you, that you also took, take this journey basically to teach, um, teach them young, right? Because I think a lot of times um, if you, if I see like how many people have uh, psychological problems, I mean, I don't remember honestly that anyone in, in my school time had, psychologists and now i think that comes becomes more and more standard practice which i think is probably a good development because many children probably have like some sort of issue and something to to work on and um but i think it was not just not so um yeah so applicable like um b- back in the time while now i think that's completely normal to have like a psychologist or to 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 go to counseling or to to whatever so i think it's also quite an interesting development right that we maybe as a culture become more more open as well to those kind of um yeah systematic mm. helpers yeah absolutely and things like trauma i think you definitely and ptsd is really important that you see somebody because that's all to do with the subconscious mind which isn't oh well, let me just change my thought it's really not like that um and you know seeing somebody to get help with that is really important but i i also think you know it's not just seeing psychologists is actually what I want to do as a coach is help people become their own coach. You know, as I said, when I went through a breakup, you know, yes, it was a big deal and, you know, worse than some breakups and really not bad at all compared to others. I didn't know how to deal with the emotion and we're not, we don't have emotional intelligence classes. And if we did, people would be more proactive. So I'm definitely, I guess psychologists are a lot are very reactive. How can we fix this person? But I'm actually thinking, you know, how can we not feel, not get to that stage in the first place, right? I experienced depression because I didn't have a sense of purpose. Well, how can we be reminding ourselves of our sense of purpose every day so that we don't end up with depression? How can we mm. be preventing ourselves from anxiety so we don't end up with panic attacks? It's, you know, and again, with trauma, you don't expect the thing in the first place. So, and it'd be quite severe and really shocks your whole psyche. So that's really, again, different. But I definitely think that if we can, yes, it's great that people are seeing more psychologists and it's more um, accepted, I guess. But actually, can we start teaching people how to, you know, help their own mental health and mental well-being? Because a lot of people don't know very simple stuff or they don't, they don't remember stuff, very simple stuff on a daily basis. Mm. So you're absolutely right. Since you are now quite experienced on like how the brain works and how, how things work, like how are you coping now with bad things happening to you? Like is it, 
is it easier easier for you to influence things in a in a positive way i definitely say so um for instance i remember very distinctly when when i'd practiced it so much positivity sort of came naturally not toxic positivity but just generally like oh my gosh this is funny or like there were three occasions probably in the space of a week very small minor things but things that people would usually get uh, just frustrated about or annoyed or why does this have to happen again or to me or today like I just cooked dinner and I dropped the plate of food on the floor and, and I could have been like oh no this is the worst thing but I just hoovered and cleaned the floor so it was technically still clean and so I was <laughs> I was like oh that's great and my tea towels and whatever had just come out of the uh, the dryer so had something to sort of mop it up with and I laughed and thought this is a reminder to slow down because if I rushed you know, I was evidently in a rush, which is why I dropped it. So I'm not going to really appreciate the food for what it is. And, you know, I smashed a glass and I laughed and I um, spilled coffee over my top just as I was about to go out and I laughed. And I started saying, do you know what, give me a curveball every three months, just so I can see where my mindset is. And I think it's so important. Um, people don't make you annoyed or angry. Situations don't make you annoyed or angry. Where your mindset is, is what determines how you're feeling. One thing, though, if I'm being super transparent, is I found that since living with my partner, actually, sometimes my my mind, my 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 brain really wants to go down the oh, let's complain about this or be upset about this because I know that I'm going to get comfort. I know that he's going to feel sorry for me and you know give me a hug and tell me it's all right and it's okay to crave that kind of comfort, but you have to stop yourself. So when I'm by myself. I'm kind of, you know, rock solid on that. But I do find that when you're with somebody who you know cares about you, you can sometimes, it can be it can be a little bit harder. I'm working out how to be sort of all that like bulletproof with my mindset through living with someone else. So it's definitely a different experience. And I'm, I'm excited to learn the strategies for that, that I can then communicate with other people. Because um, I've learned a lot in terms of what, how to create boundaries with narcissists and people who are really negative but you know um my partner's really really positive as well so sometimes you can want to go want to play the victim and it's just stopping yourself so no I'm definitely not perfect um but I have seen a, a, a massive change in how I respond to things is that sometimes difficult for you to um especially for example with your partner or with friends to kind of switch between the roles between like is he the kind of like mindset coach and like knowing maybe what's going on like on a deeper level but some maybe a friend is just craving no i just want to have actually an opinion of uh, is he the friend and say that that things suck right now and not the kind of observation of a of a, of a coach maybe hmm, interesting i i mean I don't really show up as anyone but myself. You know, that's the great thing about having taken this route. It feels, again, so much like me. And everything I do, is, you know, is trying to be as authentic as possible because I've seen what happens when you're not. Um, and I definitely learned when, when I first got into all of this, I was like dead set on, on giving advice. You know, if my mum was upset, I'd be like, well, it's really not that that bad. You know, if you see it like this, then then you know what what are you upset about and i realized that when i was doing that i wasn't validating how other people felt and so i learned to whilst i won't 
get down and upset with them and complain with them, I learned the power of listening. And, you know, if some if somebody does want my opinion, my opinion is sort of my opinion, like, yeah, you're uh, always validate them. You know, I can see why you're feeling the way you're feeling. And I totally understand why you're feeling that way. If you do want a different way of seeing it or some advice, I've got it. Um, but yeah, learning to listen and not show up as the coach, realize that the person I'm speaking to might not actually want to know what they can do about it. They just want to a, lit, a five minute pity party is actually okay. And I won't join the pity party, but I'll, I'll sit with you whilst you have it. <laughs> so I'm glad I, that was very interesting that you sort of pick up on that and, and recognize that that could be a problem being a, a mindset strategist all the time. <laughs> I think anyone has this problem, right? I think it's just a profession problem, right? I mean, like the moment someone is talking about podcasts, I'm always like, oh yeah, podcast. And like, oh, maybe you should do a podcast. Like, you know, sometimes they're like, but not everything is like a solution. It's like a podcast, right? This, you, you take your profession into like your, your daily life. I, I think that's always a little bit difficult as well to, to kind of disconnect yourself from like who you are and, and what you do. And at the same time, not let your profession become your identity, right? Absolutely. I love that. Yeah. No, I love that. I've seen it. I can, I, and I'm thinking of examples as you say that, but I've never thought about it as explicitly as that. So yeah, definitely something I think we all need to remember um, for sure. I think one thing that you said also before um, about the example of um, things not going right and uh, dropping a blade, uh, needing to clean up, uh, but having this as a sign to slow down uh, with everything that has happened the past one and a half years. Um, sorry, just letting the thing pass. With everything that has happened the, the past one and a half years, I can also imagine that like you've been under immense pressure, immense stress. Like how do you avoid from like going into another like upside down spiral like where do you like switch off and and disconnect mm, great question i mean in january of this year of 2022 that's when work really um started properly for me um and so i i did get in almost a strategic mindset of how can I get to where I want to go faster. And I ended up burning out. I ended up trying to do too much, trying to overthink too much, stressing a little, I guess. Um, and I yeah, got burnt out, got a little bit ill for a, a few days, nothing, nothing severe, but I felt exhausted. And, and that was a sort of a sign to me that actually I just need to trust the process and just do what I can. And not, I'm not in a rush. I know that I want to do this for as long as possible so I'm not in a rush. I don't, I don't need to get the ultimate success straight away. I won't enjoy it straight away. I need, you know, every good success was part of a good journey. So I'm enjoying the journey. I, yes, there are situations where I might be turning up to a talk and I'm a little bit nervous. I don't know how the content's going to land, but ultimately what I've also learned is the confidence with which you go into something has a dramatic impact on your performance on how believable people find it. So actually, even if you haven't gone in with the perfect content, if you deliver it with confidence and you feel good when you're doing it, I'm not a natural comedian, but if I feel good and I feel confident, I can crack little jokes and I can, you know, make conversation. Otherwise, if I'm not, if I'm feeling really anxious, I might 
come across a little defensive or try and be like, no, you need to hear this because this will change your life, uh, expecting them to disagree with me, which when you're in a room with year 10s of 15 year olds, um, you can sort of expect that. But actually, um, stress is the worst thing I can do in my job. So I've learned very quickly that it's a waste of time. So uh, I did move to the countryside to be able to sort of with coaching um, if I have a client who is more of a th- almost therapy, which I try and stay away from, but I've had a few clients who who that they've kind of connected with me and it's sort of gone, I guess, a little bit too far down the therapy route. Um, having spaces where I can walk and get away from the house, get into nature, that's my meditation, being in sort of a forest. So I, that's definitely important. And having alone time, that's sort of how I disconnect and prevent myself from burning out again. Um, but definitely on the stress side, I've just learned that it's not useful and it's not something that I want to give any att- any power attention to. So whether it's distracting yourself or writing a list of things that help you feel calm. And again, literally saying the word calm makes you feel calmer. Writing a list of things that you can think about that make you feel calm. Thinking about, you know, maybe I'll, I'll listen to some music or I'll try and watch some comedy and see if that changes my mood. And if it doesn't, I'm just going to sit with it and let it be because I know I'll come out the other side. Um, so there's a bunch of different approaches, but that's generally what I do and it, it does work. That's excellent. What are your ingredients for like a, a happy and a fulfilled life? Happy and fulfilled life, the ingredients. Oh, I mean, I'm going to have to go for authenticity as a big one. I mean, there's, what was it, a study done with people on their deathbeds. Um, I think there's a book about it, The 20 Regrets of the Dying. I can't remember exactly what the title is, but it's not doing the things that you really wanted to do um, out of lack of confidence or um, not spending enough time with family. All, all of those things that are naturally what, what you want to do um, rather than being distracted by social media or, or X, Y, and Z. So I'd, I think it's waking up each day and thinking, what do I want to do rather than, you know, and if you're stuck in a situation where you can't do what you want to do, it's, well, how can I create a sense of purpose through trying to get to where I want to be, where I can do what I want to do. So really having a sense of purpose, whatever that might be, and doing things as you, not trying to be anyone else, being honest and communicating. I hate it when, when sort of I haven't communicated properly or I don't feel like I've been honest. I think those are so important and really help build strong connections with people. So I guess just following your feet in intuitively and in the direction that feels right for you rather than based on what someone thinks is right for you is what I'd say is the path to a fulfilled life. Um, I don't chase happiness. I chase fulfillment. Um, I think happiness is a byproduct of fulfillment, but fulfillment is, as I say, doing the things that you're passionate about and just feel right in the moment. I don't chase happiness. I chase fulfillment. That's a nice, uh, a nice sentence that I will remember for, for a very long time. I have to, it's probably going to be a, a quote of this episode for sure. Um, yeah, we are almost at the last question. Um, before we ask the final three, uh, quick questions. Um, is there, uh, still anything that you try to prove to yourself? I'd say to myself, prove to myself when I, that it is possible to, you know, all the, all the beliefs I 
used to have about what I was or was I, what I wasn't. So I used to know that I speak very fast and I led that to believe that I, you know, public speaking is never an option for me and sort of I've changed that around. So I guess proving to myself that any limiting belief I have can be overcome. And I'm not saying, oh, the limiting belief that I can't, that I can't fly, you know, that, that, that I'm not talking about that. I guess I'm talking about the, the mental stuff, the, um, the, the mindset that, that you can't do something, um, proving to myself that it is possible to ch- change how I, to feel the way that I want to feel irrespective of what other people do. Because growing up, as I said, that's not something I saw. I saw people being led by life and led by their, the emotions that came to them. I want to be in charge of that so that I can be the best version of myself to other people. I don't want to upset other people because I have no control of myself. So definitely proving to the insecure, um, Izzy, the very tearful Izzy of those many years ago that actually I get to choose. I think that's going to be a nice reminder to listen back to this in a couple of years definitely yeah yeah awesome um yeah i think we had a really really uh fruitful episode i mean we went from uh your your hardship uh story on on basically a dream career as as a mindset uh, set uh, strategist and uh, mindset influencer that we uh, established like a new term for for yourself uh, that you can uh, now own um teaching people on authenticity confidence mindset um and also i think give a lot of practical tips of um how people can get started and um how people can basically pull themselves out of the the victim role they're currently in so mm-hmm. thank you for that uh, we always ask three final questions to our guests um the first one is what are you not very good at right now and you want to become better at in relation to my work, I find it really difficult to um, make my, I've always struggled with my voice. I've never had confidence using my voice, like singing. My grandpa used to say, when I'm sad, I sing because then everyone's sad with me. Um, so it was, you know, my family are known for not being able to sing, but also when I'm in big halls with lots of kids, if I don't have a microphone or the acoustics aren't very good, having my voice like really reach the back of the room is something that I'm working on at the minute um and singing you know potentially one day (laughs) I'll get some singing lessons um but uh it's not an urgent urgent desire (laughs) nice um which title would you give this chapter of your life love it what a great question I would say that this is the, for want of a better word, almost the building chapter. Um, as I said, I feel like I'm not in a rush. I, I, I feel like I'm sort of on an upward traje- trajectory and actually I don't need to change anything. I just need to keep doing what I'm doing. Um, I'm on the right path. And if I stress that I'm, that I'm going downhill or something's not going right, I'm not going to go up. So definitely the, the building, the upward traje- traje- trajectory. <laughs> awesome. And the last question is, if you could send a SMS to every mobile phone in this world, what would you say? Wow, you have some great questions. If I could send a text to everybody in the world, oh, off the top of my head, it would be three words or maybe five, anything forward, anything can happen today. We, you know, for all those people going into jobs that they think they're going to do the same thing every single day, the day is laid out actually 
do you know what? Anything is possible today. Anything can happen. You think you know what's going to happen, but actually anything could. And I think that just gives people a bit of purpose and lifts their chin a little bit, um, realizing that they're not just in limbo or stuck in a in a job. Yeah. Anything can happen. That's a beautiful word to end this uh, fantastic podcast. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, for everyone who is listening right now, uh, follow Izzy on TikTok for more uh, mindset advice. Uh, also listen to our podcast. It's really highly recommended. Again, Izzy, thank you so much for coming on to the 3 podcast, uh, sharing your story with us and best of luck with all the new ventures that come in the future. Thank you so much. It has been an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for listening to the 3 podcast again. And this episode was one of the most inspirational episodes that I have ever recorded. We discussed her path into psychology, practical tips for a complete mindset reset and why people should stop victimizing themselves. And did you know that every episode is turned into a Izzy Miller charity NFT that you can buy and support people in need for the price of not even two coffees? For more information, check out the link in the episode description. We will be back with a new episode in two weeks time. Until then, take care. Yours truly, Marcus.